the Production Expert Podcast with Russ Hughes, James Ivey and Eli Kranzberg. Uh, well, good evening and welcome to Production Expert Podcast 397. It's November the 27th, 2019. I'm Russ Hughes. I'm James Ivey. And I'm Eli Kranzberg. Eli, do we need to talk about deals today? We do. We have great deals from our partners like Avid, Perfect Surround, Synchro Arts, and Editor's Keys. Check them all out on our deals page. And also to obviously, uh, also check and make sure you're on our mailing list because on Friday we mail out the big Black Friday deals to everybody and the Cyber Mondays. So make sure you're on the mailing list. Make sure you visit the site this week because we will be getting all the news out about deals, the sort of top deals from our partners this week. So make sure you know about them. Let's move on to our talking points. These are sponsored by our friends at Artoria. Hello, experts and listeners. Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia now have a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the show notes or visit Arturia.com to find out more about the effects you'll actually use, a must for any professional studio. That eternity one, is it like eternity, 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 <laughs> eternity, 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 eternity? Is that how it, is that what it does? I, I did wonder how far you were going to take that joke, but yes, I think it does do that, yes. Okay, my question is, what if you just want to get it to be the T at the end, eternity, T, 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 can you do that with it? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Possibly you can do. There's, there's there's ways to achieve most things. Most things aren't there. At yeah. my age, I don't need digital things to repeat myself. Do you know me? Anyway, so diving into talking point number one. I love Apple products, but let's talk about the elephant in the room. This one um, stirred it up a bit, didn't it, Russ? It did. It did. Well, it's interesting because, as people know, but there's at least two people in this room tonight are Apple fanboys. Uh, that pejorative term for those of us that, that love Apple products and probably everything they make. Uh, but I started to think, I looked at their environmental credentials and then thought there's so many people who are having to throw away perfectly good computers because they can either not upgrade the RAM or the hard drive uh, or it they just can't upgrade it for other reasons and keep it going. And we've got the 7.1 coming soon, but there's other machines like Mac Minis and all sorts that are virtually unupgradable unless you buy Apple stuff from, from the factory. But once you do, you, you kind of almost everything's glued in. Then I saw a video of a guy that's a repair specialist and he said, uh, this is the problem I have all the time with Apple products. It, I can't get this chip, so I can't fix this Mac. And also apparently the T2 chip in particular means that lots of things can't be third party. They have to be Mac parts and you can't get the Mac parts. So it's written off from day one. Well, so, you can't get the Apple, the Apple parts because Apple won't let you. I think that's the, the crux of the Yeah, that's the it? point. So it got yeah. me, me scratched. So on one hand, is Apple is kind of touting their credentials and they're supported by Greenpeace and organisations like that, that their manufacturing credentials about low mercury, recycled parts, all of that uh, uh, is done. And then in the same, on the other hand, Greenpeace are also saying that the most uh, the most 
unfixable computers in the world. So it kind of makes me start thinking, well, let's talk about this because I think there's not enough discussion. And obviously the discussion has happened. Plus we've done a, uh, done a poll since, which has come out with the result that over 50% of Apple users would now reconsider buying an alternative product to a, to, than a Mac because of the upgradability and repair issues and the, the policy, basically. So, yeah, that's so I started this. And I have to say, you've heard it here first. And I think Eli might say something similar. <laughs> but yeah. for me, uh, get ready. I, I, I would consider something else in this situation. But I said, I said to Eli, my problem is my entire business ecosystem is built around, partly built around, using Final Cut. And uh, there's probably there's, there's a lot of years worth of work there, and so I'd probably go the hackintosh route. But it's the worst scenario for me because I can't stand. I like buying things that just work, not have to have to mess around with. And then he said something else. Then mess around with like boot straps and all this kind of stuff <laughs> you have to do. And I, and and I don't want a computer. I've got to like build from scratch and then mess around. And Alan's just mentioned that it was harder than he, he thought. It well, Alan's just moved to a, a trash can because his Hackintosh didn't, just didn't wasn't right for him. So I feel like I'm stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea here. I don't know about you, Eli. Yeah, you know, I, I share similar concerns. I mean, I'm an Apple person like you and my, my person. <laughs> Cut you in half. You've got Apple written through the middle of you. You're such an Apple fan. You don't have a heart. You have a core. <laughs> I have a core. I, I have eight cores. <laughs> With chip pips in it. Yeah. No, but, I, you know, the, the thing about the limited upgradability, that's always been sort of in the background, been an issue. But this new, I saw that video, too, and it was really disturbing as far as the non-unrepairability uh, of, of, um, of the machines. Like, that's that's disturbing. because And it's not even the chip. He was talking about some simple part, like, I don't know if it was a, some part with a power adapter, but it wasn't even a chip. It was just some simple part that rendered the whole motherboard, you know, obsolete. And that is disturbing. Um would I switch? You know, I mean, I mean, like you, I, I, my life is built around logic and I'm not planning to switch. But yeah, I, more than ever, I wouldn't be opposed to the idea. If for some reason, logic went away tomorrow, I would consider, you know, switching to another DAW and, and, and going PC just because it's galling that how much they've got us handcuffed. I mean, I love the whole Apple ecosystem, you know, with my iPhone and iPad and everything syncs up with the contacts and the and the calendar and, 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 and emails. I mean, it's really elegant. And I... I don't want to sacrifice that. I do value it, but you know there, there are alternatives, and it just the the unrepairability it seems to me to be, well, for lack of a better word, galling. And isn't and it just, ironic? Just before we go to James, who's actually done that jump, isn't it ironic that lots of people got into Macs because of things like the iPod or the iPhone, and then they loved the Apple experience, and so went to a Mac, and it could be the Mac that kind of in a, in a way switches it the other way because yeah. of the because of the I don't know the the seven one is going to be ultimately upgradable, but how many people are going to be buying those machines? I mean, all the way down down the down through the through the product range. So James, you have made that ex, that jump, and you you've got you have both experiences in, in the studio now, don't you? Well, I I wouldn't say I've entirely jumped. That's the thing. I yes, my main studio, my main media machine is a PC, and I have jumped, and I had to make the jump from Final Cut to let's face it, the next most obvious Premiere um, switch, which was Adobe Premiere, um, and. 
they're not that different, really. I mean, as much as you say, you know, logic in Pro Tools are not that different. They still do the same things. Um, but, you know, I'm reading my script now on a... <laughs> script, there's a joke. Uh, on a Mac, I've got an iPhone next to me. I've got two, two or three iPods around the studio, uh, iPads around the studio. I've got an iPod in the car still because it lives there and runs all my tunes in the car. Um I've got my wife onto a MacBook Air and she hasn't gone the iPhone route yet, but, I, I, you know, so we're still fairly invested in Planet Apple. It's just that, say, the main workhorse media machine, which was where I was struggling, I bit the bullet early doors and went PC. Um, yeah, I'm still deeply troubled by the the... the 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 flag waving saying oh how green we are and then when you start digging you go actually do you know what the, as green companies go yes they might have a solar powered um head office and it might all be green and lovely and they've planted so many billion trees but when you're pulling x really quite toxic um elements out of the earth to make batteries and various other elements that go into these machines um and then forcing these machines to not be upgradable to the most recent operating systems or to be able to run the amount of um, RAM you need for new applications. I think when the 2016 MacBook Pro came, sorry, the 2019 16-inch MacBook Pro came out recently, the only thing people got excited about in it really was the fact that you can now spec it with 64 gig of RAM. Now, that's a bit poor. If that if that's the thing that's getting people excited, because you can't take your machine that is, uh, in my case, I've got a 2017 MacBook Pro. And I know you've, you've got the same machine, don't you, Russ? Um, I spent I so, it yeah. with 32 gig of RAM, and that's as far as it will go. That's it. You know, that's that's as far as this machine is supported and will go because it's all soldered in. That's a bit poor. I know, as I say, as an Apple fanboy who just happens to have made the switch to PC for some things that's that's poor you know that we're buying in something we're spending you know not insignificant amounts amounts of money on a thing that we can't keep up to date that's that's well this was something i didn't mention in the article the original article the elephant in the room article which is that apple aren't building for a price if they were building for a price then you'd say well okay i get that some of this stuff gets bolted in or soldered in or glued in but they're not building for a price. They're building for spec. So they're building high-end machines. So it's not like this is a laptop that costs you $399 from Best no. Buy. This is a high-end machine. Yeah. It's a two-and-a-half-grand laptop that you're basically – you can have it in any colour as long as it's black kind of attitude that they're going for here. Uh, and when I first bought my I, – I bit the bullet when I bought my – and I don't – for one day, I haven't for a single day regretted buying my trash can. I'm over five okay, years in let's have a shot. Time for the shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, trash can is, is one of mine, is yeah, it? Is, yeah, that, yeah. Am I, is that boardroom? Is that uh, Studio Bingo? Yeah. I yeah. didn't realise that. Anyway, so I don't regret buying my trash can. There's somebody really drunk already. Trash can, trash can, <laughs> trash can. I'm using the Eternity plugin. Uh, and, uh, but for about three years, I couldn't upgrade the hard drive in it and stuff like that. So I eventually did. Uh, because I got fed up of kind of, I was sitting on a 512 HD as a main system drive for a, for a four, three and a half grand computer, and then the memory as well. So uh, I've, I've I've worked with the restrictions, and perhaps 
and everything else is hanging off the back of it on th- on uh, Thunderbolt. But uh, and so I've been thinking about a new machine recently, and thinking, do I buy the seven one or do I buy a Mac Mini? Because I I tested the Mac Mini for the for the for the blog, and it was amazing the new Mac Mini. But again, if I want to upgrade it, I think I'll go through all these hoops again about what I can and can't do, and you have to be a yoga specialist to get inside them and and all that kind of stuff so uh but the idea i tell you partly i don't know how you feel it like it partly feels almost religious for me to move from mac to windows or to hackintosh it almost feels it, it's almost an emotional problem i have with it more than a, yeah a technical that problem. for me it's also just good old self-serving laziness i mean i just yeah, know apple i love I mean. it i use it i'm comfortable with it and it's you know there's a cost to changing not just money i mean there's a cost you know in terms of having to relearn a whole new infra- ecosystem infrastructure os and the whole thing and you know if i can avoid it i, I prefer to avoid it you know and, and i'm willing to go a certain amount and, and keep my eyes closed and keep the blinkers on to avoid it but Beyond a certain point, I guess. So I'm almost yeah. letting my. I said to Mike the other day, I've decided that my trash can is still going well, so I'm just going to keep going until it won't work. Do you know what I mean? I'm always going to just kind of have a, a a game of chicken with Apple until I can't use it anymore. Yeah, That's you know, there was, a, there, there was another aspect to that video which I, I didn't. I don't know if I quite grasped fully, but that repair guy he was talking about some justification that Apple had for the proprietary nature of those chips. It had to do with security that somehow yeah, if they the allowed chips, yeah, yeah, if they allowed these repair people to get access to them, that would somehow compromise secu- security. Did, I didn't quite get that, but did you did you pick that up from the video? Not so much that, and I'm not saying you're you're wrong. I'm just saying I kind of half watched the video and and miss probably miss stuff. Uh, yeah, some but element of security being there. I know that's the case with the T2 chips. The yeah. T2 and chips. And also, speaking of the T2 chip, um, I, I think both you guys use ScreenFlow also. But you know that's the problem with that new ScreenFlow uh, audio capture driver you know, uh, that they've introduced as version 7.3 is because of the T2 chip. Have you guys been suffering through that? Or? No, no, I have not. No, I no, no, okay. no. I've okay. not upgraded. Well, I, I mean, just to, real quickly, to digress real quickly, at version 7.2 to 7.3, they changed the way they capture computer audio and it's horrible latency. It's unusable, you know, ScreenFlow 8 and now 9 both use it and I'm sort of orphaned on 7.2 for the moment. But it's got to do with this T2 chip and they've, they've changed their whole audio capture routine and, and programming and software coding because of this T2 chip and it's you know, causing problems for a lot of ScreenFlow users. But it's a different subject. But yeah, again, I. But 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 James, I suppose one of my questions for you, James, is is that my my last experience of Windows was, uh, for example, like one of the things I love on a Mac is I can get audio anywhere on a Mac, so I can have three apps open and they'll all talk to each other with audio, and I don't think that happens on Windows still now, does it? You don't have like core audio like you do on Mac. No, no, it doesn't. Still doesn't quite. So you have to find like you have that. to find d- download applications to make that happen. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest. Um, the, the the one that everyone pulls out of the hat is Azio for all, and it used to be a complete buggy, horrible hack. But for Windows ten, it's it's fine. It it just gets on and works. Um, yeah. Like the drivers with latency, and they're as good as on Mac. Yeah, every, every bit. Um, I'm talking to you now via a pair of Universal Audio Apollo X sixteens, um, and the there used to be a thing where you couldn't change the buffer size while your DAW was open. 
And that was a real pain in the you-know-where. But even that's been worked around now and people have released better drivers. UA, you can now change it on the fly. Focus right drivers, you can. Uh, the Antelope drivers now work perfectly well. Um, so my, my biggest bugbear is the logic of how the file structure works. So when... And I worked out what it was, um, having said this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, that I couldn't actually remember what the thing that annoyed me was. I've now worked it out and worked out why it annoys me. So if I'm in Premiere, for example, and I want to um, bounce out, extract the video, the media that I'm working on, that the, it's all finished and finalised and ready, and, bang, and I want to get the actual um, H.264 file out, this also works for bouncing out files in Pro Tools or whatever. It will take me to the, the location where I last did that job. So where I last bounced a piece of audio out or where I last extracted some video out, which is normally the previous project. Mm -hmm. It will not take me to a folder within my current project folder. And that's Very what I find really, really annoying. Um, it takes you to it's a it's a perfectly logical way of doing it, but not when you're swapping projects like two or three times a day. It's just one of those. Ah, oh, why do they do it like that? Why can't it do like Apple do, where it remembers where you where you need to go? There's, there's a, a much better logic employed in the Apple file structure than there is in the Windows file structure. There must be some third-party utilities, though, to do that, like like default folder on Mac. There must be that kind of thing. There probably is, but I haven't found one. Anyone who knows this one, is the kind of, But this is the kind of stuff I would just drive me crazy. It drives yeah, me I crazy, I too. Don't buy, I don't want to buy an app or, you, or even get a free app because the OS is poorly thought through. We were talking last week um, before this article went out, and you said to me, if it wasn't a money thing... Would you buy a 7.1 Mac Pro? And the honest answer is I would I would do it in a heartbeat because I so much I'm I'm so much more invested in the Apple structure, the Apple file structure, the, the Mac OS. I find it much more logical, it's much more sensible, and generally for me it just works. I'm not gonna drop my PC like a stone because it was a reasonable investment not that long ago. And the 7.1, probably the one I want, is going to be between five and ten grand. Why uh, didn't you go Hackintosh? Because it's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to keep up to date and to keep... Yeah, no, yeah just, you almost just, have to cross no. your fingers every time you boot yeah. it, don't you? And I know people who've done it who are far, far more techie than I am on a computer level... And they say, oh, yeah, we have problems every day. We, every time we start it. I'm like, I don't need that in my life. I'm yeah. like you, Russ. I want to switch it on and know it works. And actually, yeah, no, me too. Windows... Yeah. It, it's given me a few hiccups, but you know, but so do, so does Mac OS from time to time. It it just works, and that's what I need. And I need the the I've done in the three years I've been running this machine. I've, I've done some fairly big power upgrades with regard to things like graphics cards and RAM, and um, I haven't done CPU yet or anything like that because I haven't needed to. But I can do it, whereas you can't do that stuff easily on a Mac, even on the new. Um, seven one. There are things they don't want you to do. No. So I don't envy anybody. I, I made the jump because the opportunity came up to at the right price, um, yeah. and it was it was down to that. My my um, five dot one trash can of old 
cheese grater, sorry, cheese grater of old, was running no problem at all. Uh, it was brilliant. I loved it. Yes, it didn't have Thunderbolt. That was an issue or is still an issue for anyone who bought it. Um, but I jumped at the right time and I'm very happy with, with the jump I made. Would I jump back in a heartbeat if I had the money is the honest answer. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. But here's even, the thing even as with well. All, even with all the repair limitations and upgrade limitations, you'd still jump back if yeah. money wasn't an issue. Yeah, yeah I would do. Right. Here's okay. the thing as well, is that like talking about new stuff and, and buying an up, buying a new computer, is that I rarely sit in front of my computer during the day working and think, I wish this was faster or this is stopping me work. There's a restriction here. So a lot of times I think people just, just have these notional uh, – limits for things that that, that they they, they are, their computers are over spec from day one and that's a good thing i get that that you get one with 64 mega ram because 32 might sometimes just be a bit bit problematic for you but generally i don't sit here much and think oh shit i've got i've got to wait quite a long time for this to render or or that i just do something else to be blunt with you yeah so, well, same here yeah. i don't i rarely as i say worry about that kind I of stuff i think if i come up against that a, a workflow brick wall, and the and the one I was hitting was um, number of 4K video tracks on my Mac Pro um, 5.1. It was yeah. if I was running more than sort of six or seven 4K streams of video, it was starting yeah. to struggle, which is quite a lot of data throughput for a processor to deal with. But I've never had that on this machine. There's no, I've never had that kind of bottleneck issue anywhere in the signal flow or anywhere in the the processing chain so if it ain't broke don't fix it as they say because you didn't you try radar for a while as well instead of a pc yeah i tried the, the radar studio which was their kind of basically a pc with a radar element to it well, it's uh, like a it's like an aeroplane or a till isn't it it's basically got it stripped down so yeah. it's just doing what it needs to do rather than you can't play cards and stuff on it. No, it, it doesn't fortunately they'd, they'd left all that rubbish out. Um, but it it didn't work for me because of the limitations of radar rather than the limitations of um, the PC that it was built into. And the power supply fan screamed like a banshee when you turned it on, which made it fairly... Um, Pointless. Pointless in, in a, a studio. studio. Yeah, um, we tried to fix it, but I couldn't. So the idea of sending it back to Canada to get it back again did seem a little futile. Um, so yeah, that one went back and never saw the light of day again. Right. Well, let us let us know, everybody, because the, the as I say, the results are in. Uh, say fifty percent, over fifty percent would would consider switching because of this policy. Do you, okay. Last question. Do you think do you think Apple would change this policy? Do you think Apple will go back to letting? The lower machines do upgrading and stuff. Do I do think, think they would, or do I think they yeah. should? Do I think they will? Not Hard the, to imagine. Know the answer to that. Yeah. The should is an easy answer. Yeah, um, I, I'd love to think they would, but I don't think they will. Yeah. It's, it's they've never done anything like that in the past. I mean, they, they don't seem to go backwards like that. In well, they did with seven one. True. True, and, well, and none yeah, of us true. saw that coming, if we're all totally honest. None of us, we all said they're never going to give us PCI cards, and oh, lo and behold. Um, I, I think it's going to take a great, a, a bigger backlash than, I think it would, if, if the iPhone community were to get up in arms about this, I think that's a major issue. I, I don't think Apple have 
Yes, they still make money from computers, but nothing like as much money as they make out of phones. Yeah, there, there will have to be a bigger backlash than there probably is going to be. That's what you're saying, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree. Russ has gone very quiet, which is no, I'm just Yeah, I'm just thinking about it, I'm, and I'm also reading the script. Right, talking point two. This is amusing. <laughs> James, how many microphones is too many? Always one more. <laughs> so there's, there's one, no one more than I have. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, see, I I read this and I and I I I know that this is not aimed at me, but being on the podcast when this question comes up is, let's face it, more than slightly ironic. Um, I I think how many microphones is too many is more than you need. If you are a one-man singer-songwriter, one-person singer-songwriter, and you record your voice and your acoustic guitar at the same time, and that's all you do, you need two microphones. If you have three, that's possibly too many. Um, when I'm recording drums in the studio, I'm using 14 tracks. That's 14 microphones. When I'm recording a uh, an orchestra in a uh, on a location job, I'm probably using 30 microphones, probably more sometimes. Um, it's 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 a very open ended question. Yes, all right. You're going to ask me the number, and and I did. I've done um a fairly interesting article recently about miking up snare drums and testing and stuff. And on that, I used thirty different microphones. Um, the current count, I was a little overzealous when I said um that I had 150 mics the other day. I have 122 microphones. Wow. Now everyone's gone really quiet. Ooh. And how many of those do you use on a regular basis? Probably 50. Because wow. Now, not all of these mics are high-end, beautiful valve condensers. Let's not think that I've got a mic locker to rival Abbey Road or Blackbird or Capital. That is not the case. There's an awful lot of the rank-and-file gig mics, you know, little clip-on dynamics for drums, um, SM57s, SM58s. You know, that makes up... You've only got to have 10 of each of those for gigs and for percussion and for overheads and stuff like that. Um, you start to get a large collection of mics. I was I had two different two complete sets of drum mics at one point, one for the studio, one for out on the road. Um, yes, it's a lot. Don't get me wrong. There are some nice pieces in there. There's some lovely, um, there's, you know, uh, some serious, lovely valve, large diaphragm gorgeousness in there. But it, it's not walk into a room full of 67s, 87s, for, um, you know, it, it, that's not the case. How many microphones is too many? Always another pair. Hmm. <laughs> how much? Seriously, how how many microphones are you, you running, Eli? Because you record have, you record drums and things. Yeah, and- I was you know before this podcast I counted. I have fifteen microphones. Um, I have you know five set up on my drums permanently. My one voiceover. My I have like you know six mics that are sort of permanently in place, and the other eight or nine or whatever 
I, I mean, I have different talent come out. I have different singers and musicians and this and that. And I use about half of them regularly. And some of them, like you say, are older, you know, not super high-end ones that are just there just in case. But anyway, bottom line is I have 14 and uh, six are, are permanently in place and another three or four or five that I regularly use. Do you switch them out when people come out? Uh, yeah, you know, I found uh, I have a couple of regular clients and I found some mic, like for example, I have an NT1A, which is not a super high-end mic. And that sounds way better on a specific singer that comes here occasionally than my Lauten Audio Horizon, which is, you know, triple what, Somebody who needs a honky mid-range. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but I mean, they, they, everyone has different responses. You know, I have a yeah, nice yeah. pair of Neumann KM184s that sit in my closet. I like my Aventone CK7s for my drum overheads better, but I use my, my Neumann KM184s for my vibraphone, you know, when I'm recording them in stereo, but I just don't do it often. But uh, all this to say that, yeah, depending who's coming over, I have two or three or four, you know, for vocal, it's mainly vocalists, different mics that I try and alternate and see which works best for. Yeah. I've got I've got about twelve mics, uh, and uh, there's probably three that get used the most, which is the the SM7 I'm recording on now. I've got an AKG, uh, the one with the gold finish, and all, about nine different polar patterns. I can't remember which one that is. Four one four. Yeah, four one four. Yeah. No, I know. It's, I said, did I not say four one four? Did you just say AKG? Yeah. So I've got a four one four, but I can't remember which version of the four one four it is because there's about ten versions of it. Then I've got. Uh, an aria from uh, Sontronics, which is just gorgeous, which is a, which is just tune mic, isn't it? It James? is, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and so, and that that's great on vo- on female vocalists, especially. I think I think they used it on. Uh, it's alleged that it was used on uh, Skyfall by Adele. Adele, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I tell you that, if you hear the word, if I tell you the word, it's scaffold, and that's scaffold, you'll never unhear that again. I know, in a scaffold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, I do, I spoilt somebody's lives this morning by saying that if you listen to "In the Middle of the Night" by, uh, uh, you know, by uh, Climax Blues Band, and I tell you they left the click track going while they were while they were mixing it, you never unhear that again because there's a, there's a cowbell that goes all the way through that song. Well, virtually all the way through, it drops out two or three times during the whole thing. But once you think it's the, the metronome <laughs> going, you <laughs> never don't hear the metronome again. Wow. So sorry for that, guys. Who whoever's listening. Uh, uh, so yeah, I've got I've got three that are kind of like consistently used. I think uh, the four one four is fantastic on acoustic guitar, uh, but I I, I I I it sounds terrible. But I've got kind of lazy these days, and I kind of like if it comes in the first thing I put up, if it works, then I then I use it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? If it, I, oh, I do oh, know what you mean. If it's already up, I'll use it as well. So yeah. like I did a talking book for somebody recently as a favour to a guy to, guy locally, and I just. I've got I've got my SM7 sitting on a gooseneck, so just, on a on a whatever these 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 mic stands are called that you use in radio stations. One of those things, like uh, you know the telescopic arms, and I just pulled the chair across the room, pulled the te- turned the telescopic arm around, put it in front of his face. Thought, yeah, that sounds okay, and recorded it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, uh... So I could have got, I could have spent twenty minutes getting all the mics up and trying to think, oh, that's nice, and perhaps perhaps that's why they call me a craftsman. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it, it's, as I say, I, I think, uh, yeah, so, uh, but so you say you use about 50 of your 114. Why don't you sell half of them then, James? Because I, not every week am I out doing orchestral recordings. 
But when I do do them, I want to be able to do them on my own bat and not have to hire gear in because that's where you see profits going and things like that. I've got them. They've been they've been collected over a number of years. Don't think that this stuff just went out one afternoon and went, right, I'm going to buy 122 microphones. Um, it's been a lifetime of acquisition. From first time I realised that you don't buy good mics in Tandy other than the... Um, you do. P's and M's. Um, <laughs> or Ray- Radio Shack for our uh, yes. American cousins. Um, yeah. I started buying half-decent microphones. So SM57s and SM58s were, you know, the go-to for for gigging bands. And let's face it, still are. Um, drum mics, it's all about variation, you know, different overheads, different things. I've actually put some stuff on eBay this week, so there are some microphones going, but not very many. Um, I like experimenting. I like I like messing around with mics and, and getting new ideas and new stuff. So, uh, yes, I probably should have a bit of a sort out and get rid of some more. But I like them. They're they're a th- they're a th- they're my thing. They're my and studio do you, thing. Do you I fart like around when people come in the room? Sorry, fart around. Do you do you take the artistic route and and spend time trying different mics on people when they come in? Only if it's wrong. So I've got two go-to mics, which for me are the um, Sontronics Mercury, which is basically the Aria's multi-pattern um, condenser tube Big Brother, uh, and the Sontronic, the um, Sontronic Satin, which is basically a, a 414-esque type thing, multi-pattern um, large diaphragm condenser. Yeah. Um, if if it's a female vocalist coming in, I'll start with the Mercury. If it's a male vocalist, I will start with the Saturn. If they don't work, I'll maybe switch out for something like a WA251, um, their, their 251 clone, the Warm Audio 251 clone, 241 clone, one or two. Um, yeah, I've got a few different things I will I'll probably go to. Probably, I've probably got five or six mics that if if it wasn't working, if it didn't sound nice, I would swap out for. But normally you'll you know when you hear someone sing and you think that sounds that doesn't sound right for their voice you'll try put something else up you're probably only one or two microphones away because you know what you're listening for and if they're not giving it to you then you kind of know where to go or say i'd like to think my experience is educated enough to put point me in the right direction i wouldn't say i, I faff around with it i'll know with within a, a a bar or three of listening to someone go, no, that's not very nice. There's not, it's not the right, it's not the right mic for their voice. Okay. Yeah. Off the back of this, then some people at the other end of this thing, let's say they've got a thousand dollars. What would you tell them to buy? Let's say they're open. They're doing that. They're, they're buying mics for the first time. What would you tell them to buy? Um, mics or mic. You've got a thousand dollars. What would you tell them? To I buy? would say. Yeah. And what are they recording? The, no, no, I'm talking about people in the home studio. Okay, you, you're going to need a, I think you're going to need a good small diaphragm condenser and a large diaphragm condenser of some kind, be that a tube condenser if you can afford it, um, or just a normal large diaphragm condenser. A 414 and a WA, the warm equivalent of the Neumann KM84 would be great. That's a good. That's a really good starting point because you could do really nice um, twin mic acoustic guitars. You've got a great vocal mic. You've got a great instrument mic. There you go. Mm. And what I, about I, you, Eli? What would what would you say? Um, 
Well, again, depending what they're recording, let's let's assume that they're going to be the recording vocals. the average singer-songwriter, basically. Okay, so, so vocals and some instrument. Um, yeah, I'd probably go, I mean, there's a whole bunch of great large diaphragm condensers that are, you know, cardioid with, you know, without multipolar patterns, which if you're in a home studio is probably fine. You know, in the three, four, five hundred dollar range, there's a whole bunch. I mean, I've heard great things about the warm audio. I haven't used them myself, but I would, I would look at, you know, a, a three, four, five hundred dollar large diaphragm condenser, probably warm audio is where I would start. And then maybe a pair of, you know, less expensive pair of small diaphragms, which are great for stereo miking guitars. I mean, I, I have my, my KM184s, which are not inexpensive mics. That I, that's my go-to if I'm recording acoustic guitar, uh, you know, to just set them up on a little stereo mic stand and record them. But um, so, yeah, I would say half the money on a, a good large diaphragm condenser, like a warm audio, and the other half on, you know, a, a less expensive pair of, uh, you know, matched pair of some kind of small diaphragm condenser. Mix. I was going to say a matched pair because I couldn't understand, yeah. James, how you do any stereo work with what you were suggesting. Um, but purely because, you, so you wouldn't actually, I, I don't think you do stereo with that. You'd say for acoustic guitar, for example, I would have the large diaphragm somewhere in the body and the small okay. diaphragm somewhere on the neck. Okay, so you use two different mics. Okay. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Mm, that's, that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not on the show, but I think Julian would suggest ten SM fifty sevens, wouldn't he, for a fan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that but, should be SM fifty seven. Should be on our, on our bingo card. We got we've got to make this bingo card and start letting people download it, <laughs> listen to the podcast, so we can we can add all these words in. Uh, I think you know what I probably I think I got my. Don't forget used. I bought my AKG four one four used. I think I got it for about five hundred quid because they were about not eight or nine hundred. Are they new? The decent, decent 414s? Well, the truth of the matter is you want, if you can get an older one, those are the ones you want. The new ones are not not so sought after. But if you can get one that's maybe five, ten years old, you're going to get a really, a much better one than one of the new ones, in my opinion. Um, But yeah, certainly the secondhand sites, Reverb and eBay are going to be your friends when it comes to buying mics. Yeah, so so those are the kind of places. So, but I wouldn't. Also, I, I think we talked a lot about kind of uh, condensers and like condenser condenser. But but I say I'm speaking to an SM7. It's one of the most useful mics I've got in my studio. Great on acoustic guitar. Great on vocals. Uh, Michael Jackson was recorded with them, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, and stuff. And great for rock. Uh, so, uh, and it's obviously the big brother of the SM57, which Julian loves. So uh, I'm just going to keep milking that joke for all it's worth. Sure. He'll probably just chop it out of the show, actually, because he edits the show. <laughs> uh, but no, at 414, I think, is I've just seen that there's a XLS you can get for 500 quid now, 600 quid. Wow. So you could buy like a 414 and you could buy yourself a couple of, uh, you could buy yourself a couple of good dynamics as well. Uh, so anyway, so uh, let us know in the comments, mics that you would choose in that. But uh, it seems it seems to be the case that... Uh, You've never got enough mics, according to to James. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you ever try to do an interview over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. Even on a good day, it really isn't good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser with no software to install. To get your free account, check out the link in the podcast notes. Let's move on to Find of the Week. 
These are sponsored by our friends at RSPE Audio Solutions. RSPE Audio carries nearly every great microphone you can think of, some of which we've discussed today, from budget to boutique. They have microphones from Sennheiser, Neumann, Earthworks, Shure, Loughton, Paluso, AKG, Blue, Townsend Labs. You know, that's another thing. We didn't talk about Townsend yeah, Labs. Yeah, we didn't, did you know, we? That, we didn't. No. About the, yeah, can, but anyway. can you get a modeling mic for a grand? Uh, just about. Hang on, I'm just going to challenge the slate, slate one. At the moment, the yeah. $1,000. Yeah. Anyway, let me continue here. So they carry all kinds of mics like Neumann, Earthworks, Shure, Loughton, Paluso, AKG, Blue, Townsend Labs, Antelope, and many more. Not sure what mic you need? RSPE's team can help. Just tell them the work you do, and they can recommend a few mics. Plus, if you're in LA, you can book a demo so you can try them out before you buy. Shop online or contact their team to find the right mic for you. Uh, Out of interest, the Slate VMS uh, with an ML1 style microphone. Uh, In the UK, you can pick these up for £656. That's not bad. And their small diaphragm ones are really inexpensive. Yes, yeah. uh, 149 quid. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Eli, what's your find of the week? <laughs> My find of the week is <laughs> poinsettia plants. It's Christmas season, everyone. Let's get in the spirit. I got a couple of them yesterday, and they're livening up the house and the studio. Makes things festive, and it kicks off the holiday season. But um, we must. We talked about this before the show, Eli, and you brought it up not us just just in case anybody thinks that there's some strange stuff going on here. You, you it's not really the, Han- the, the 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 traditional Hanukkah plant, is it? No, not the traditional Hanukkah plant. Because uh, Eli is Jewish, just so everybody's clear on it about this. Yeah, and, and then let's also get the pronunciation right. It's Hanukkah. <laughs> got a ch. You got to get the Hanukkah. Ch. Ch. Yeah, there you go. Um, no, I know. I, but I and still, your wife pointed this out, and you said we should bring it up on the show. <laughs> No, and, and, and my answer to that is that's exactly why I love them. I didn't get to grow up with them. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing like a Jew to love the Christmas stuff because, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's festive. It's, I got no baggage attached to it either. So, no, it's great. I, I think it, it livens things up. And it, to me, it really signals the beginning of Christmas season. And James, what's your find of the week? Is it something that adds to 141 of what you already own? It's actually to make it, it it's the two in the 122. Oh, 122 um, yeah. 141. I can't, can't remember. Just texting your wife now. Thanks. Um, our friends at Lewitt um, have just brought out a, a very baby, a pair of baby mics, the LCT040 Match. They're a matched pair of very small stature, small diaphragm condensers. And they're great. They sound absolutely epic. And they're 170 quid a pair. Well, they're okay. There's yeah. there are my two small diaphragms for my thousand dollars. They sound uh, absolutely yeah. amazing. I mean, they're they're about uh, the size of a kind of a if I said a Zippo lighter. Do you know what I mean? One of these wow. uh, chuckable disposable lighters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or a half a kind of um, Hannibal Smith's stoggy cigar. Um, they sound absolutely fantastic on overheads on drums. Really, really cool little mics. Um, wow. Yeah, worthy, worthy of the, say, certainly worthy of being someone's stereo matched pair of small diaphragm condensers in their thousand pound shootout. There you go, a pair of those and a slate VMS. Job done. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Russ, how about you? Uh, my find of the week is this 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 little app that uh, got found at the end of last week that we posted about the hide and seek app, which allows those who uh, own UAD, uh, a UAD uh, interface and some of the plugins to hide the ones that you don't actually own, the plugins you don't own, which I think is brilliant. 
yeah. I think it's really, really clever, and it's. Uh, I'm, I'm just surprised that UAD haven't uh, haven't ever given them people that option. Perhaps it's so that people will keep seeing those plugins and think I must add them to my collection. I don't know. I think there's a fairly strong yeah. chance that's what it's <laughs> all about. So, yeah. yeah. So the chance, so the chance that they're ever going to let it happen. Because James, you were sort of following up that little story about getting a comment on from them about about what they thought about it technically and stuff and that. And yes, did we get feedback on we, it? We certainly did. Uh, and is um, it in the story? Uh, it's not yet because it only came in literally hot off the moments press. before we went on on air, so to speak. Uh, just getting my virtual piece of paper. Um, of course, Universal Audio are never going to endorse this as an app for the reasons we've just said. Um, however, there they don't seem to be any to be able to find any reason why they will have a problem with it. There should be no um, functionality issues using the hide-and-seek app. It shouldn't penalise you in any, any way. Of course, we're never going to get an official, yes, we like it, or no, we, you know, you must not use this out of them because that's not generally the way UA work. But they don't seem to be having any issues with it and they haven't had any support queries brought oh, up because good. of it, which is good. That's nice. That's yeah. very nice. So on the, that interesting news, it's good night from me. It's good night from me. And good night from me. Good night.